Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It Is What It Is, powered by the Riot Report. We will try our best not to have text message dings happen right during the intro. It will probably not happen again, but it probably will happen again because my friend Zach is right across from me and he does not know how to control his phone. Zach, say hi. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back, Josh. I feel like it's uh, it's been a while since we've been here. It's been nice, a while. Nice bi-week vacation. I was, uh, I was making the joke. It actually wasn't a joke, but... Going into the bye week, man, I needed some time off. Coming off those four away games in October, I was just getting burned out. I needed to be home with the family for a little bit. But after the the bye week and Thanksgiving, I was really ready to get to New York. Yes. Love you, family. Uh, New York was absolutely fantastic. I'm actually today feeling a little bit under the weather, which apparently that's what happens when you go and you eat turkey and stuffing and pizza and everything that New York has to offer for four straight days in the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. How was your weekend? Hey, it was fantastic. Um, you know, obviously anytime the the Panthers win and we're on the road, it feels good. And uh, we had a great showing up in New York. And uh, one great thing about MetLife Stadium, or specifically when the Jets play in 2017 and probably the years before, uh, you can get tickets pretty easily there. Did you know that? I saw they were going for like nineteen bucks on StubHub. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, good. They were. It was really easy to get a ticket there. You know, you hear a lot of things about Jets fans being, uh, you know, pretty rough or uh, not uh, not dealing well with opposing fans. But when there are that many Panther fans there, um, <laughs> there's not a whole lot they can do. Yeah. The um, when Kalen Clay returned that punt for a touchdown, it was really loud. I mean, like extraordinarily loud i believe uh did you uh, did you see where we were sitting i didn't know oh yeah you guys were sitting right in front of us right in front of me in the press box and uh when so because that that tv happened right in front of us kalen was running directly for our section i was hoping lambo leaped us but he did that would have been awesome yeah uh luke had a tackle one play i think before the um before the fumble recovery so he had a tackle and there were some luke chants right and uh, I put on Twitter something like, those weren't booze, those were Luke's. Did you tag our friend, Chris Myers? No, I know. You have this uh, Twitter buddy. You have a Twitter feud with Chris Myers. I wouldn't call I'm, it a feud. I'm just trying to make it's sure It's a one-way feud, I think. <laughs> it is when he blocks me every time I try to educate him on what's really happening in the game. Because yeah, he was there. You're being a real sweet teacher when you're, <laughs> oh, Chris Myers, you're such a jerk. You don't know nothing I about nobody. And then the next play, Luke Keekley picks up and scores for a touchdown. And then it is very loud Luke's in MetLife Stadium. And that's that's just fun when you can hear. That's the easiest way to judge is when Luke Keekley does something. Yeah. Well, that's obviously the easiest. Um, and, and, you know, where we were sitting, probably the next two sections over from us were just huge concentra- uh, concentrations of Panther fans, tons of blue over there. So, uh, you know, whenever our group, who were all together, you know, the advantage of that is we would get... <laughs> wow! I told you guys I'm getting sick. <laughs> You're not kidding. So the, the advantage of that is having everybody together, you know, we can initiate these chants and these cheers, but when you have so many Panther fans near you, they start jumping in too, and it just immediately gets loud. And that, that whole corner was just rocking, and it was tons of fun. You know, when Cam scored his, his rushing tee over there, he just stopped and looked around, and he was just surveying those sections there because it was just blue, man. And, uh, you know, last year in L.A., I, say it, I said it was the, the most Panther fans I had ever seen at an away game, and I 
this weekend in, in New York, it had to be more than that. I mean, wow. it was it was a great, great time, great showing, and I was just re- really proud of all the Panther fans that made the trip. That's awesome. Uh, were you as proud of the Carolina Panthers and their play on the field for the 60 minutes? Oh, man, that was ugly, you know, but... I'm a I'm a firm believer in that uh, you know championship quality teams find a way to win and it's not always going to be a pretty game. I mean, what was everybody saying going into the Jets game? They said don't overlook them, trap game. They were throwing out all the things. Jets aren't Jets weren't a terrible form four team, and they had given the Patriots fits, which you know other than some bad officiating, they they were right in that game. Uh, there were a couple other games that they were they were right into, and they played well at home. And and you know you were putting out some information about uh, McCown's stats, and he's he's had a pretty decent year up there, you know, with all things considering. So, you know, for them to squeak out the win the way that they did, I mean, I know it was a twelve point victory, right? But um, you know, to get the to get the Luke TD and to get the Clay TD, I mean, they found a way to do it when the offense wasn't playing well that game. Absolutely, a win is a win. And they all count the same. Whether you blow out uh, Miami by 30 points, well, 24 points, and score have the franchise record uh, in yardage, or if you barely beat the Jets because of two return touchdowns and a late field goal and a bunch of really terrible penalties that basically cost the Jets the game, right. they all count the same. Because you know why, Zach? Because it is what it is, man. It is what it is, and it's not what it's not. Week 12, put it in the books because I just said it. We need a soundbite. <laughs> well, listen, I think the reason why it feels good for us as fans, and, and, you know, even though the game was frustrating, certainly in the first half, but, you know, those back to back bang touchdowns that happened so quickly, you know, specific, especially right in front of us. I mean, it was just that gave us a good feeling. Like the end of the game was so great. We won eight and three. Let's move on to the Saints. So exactly. going into New Orleans, I kept telling everybody this weekend, I mean, I, it's obvious. I wasn't saying anything that you guys didn't already know, but we had to beat the Panthers had to beat the Jets in order to set up this game against New Orleans. You know, they still controlled their destiny in the division. Having the Saints lose is pat, you know, lose to the uh, the Rams is just a little bit of icing on the cake. Um, but no, that that was great that they did it. And yes, the Jets fans were not in favor of our CATS cats, cats, cats chance that we did just for them repeatedly. Um, I think you did it just for them, but also it was it could come with you to New Orleans. I don't think anybody would be mad. Nah. And then, nah, come on, more chance equals more fun. Yeah, but that's then, that's my that's I actually have that tattooed on my thigh. Yeah, more chance equals more fun. Well, then I had Wildcats, Kentucky Wildcat fans yelling at me for stealing their cheer. I you can't see this on the podcast, but I have rolled my eyes so hard that they may get stuck. Um, But later on the evening, when we got back to Amity Hall, the home of the Big Apple Riot, which, by the way, Amity Hall is an awesome partner, man. They went over and beyond to make sure Panther fans were having a good time this weekend. And they normally do for the Big Apple Riot crew that's up there every single week. But we got back to Amity and those cheers became R.A.M.S. Rams, Rams, Rams. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So we kept it going. It really just fills in the more chance equals more fun. I feel like that might be the new tagline for it is what it is, and it's not what it not. And it's, ah, damn it. I messed it up. Ah, man. And also more chance equals more fun. Uh, but, yeah, the Panthers won. It was 35-27. Uh, some, some surprising news, I think, just right off the bat. We'll kind of go straight from the beginning is when inactives were announced. Uh, they, they announced that, obviously, Captain Munderland had not made the trip. Uh, he was ill. He had a very contagious virus, uh, but he is back, baby. 
I was told it was very contagious. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they didn't want him in the locker room because what was the name afraid, of it? Uh, I was not allowed. I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not at liberty to say exactly what it was, <laughs> but uh, it was a bad one. But Captain's Let's say back. That. Yeah, the captain is back, baby. So that leads us into one of the the hot takes, if you will. One of the problems from the game was all the secondary issues with you know the Jets having two hundred plus yard receivers. Um, you know they had Bird lining up in the in the slot and the nickel a, a few times there. And um, I mean, were these problems? Could you associate that with Captain being out? Uh, I don't know if you could associate it with Captain necessarily because. Captain doesn't, I mean, he plays maybe 35, 40% of the snaps, and I think that obviously he has a role out there. It, what was interesting was I asked I asked uh, Jairus Bird after the game uh, if he played nickel corner before, and he was like, no, not really. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that seems uh, crazy that you were just playing in an NFL game and you hadn't done it before, but uh, I'm sure he had done it in high school. I think he was just saying that he wasn't. Uh, super familiar with it but he um I, I think that he did okay out there i think that really the problem was a uh was a correctable thing that the uh that rivera and wilkes have talked about before and it was a little problem called dirty eyes hit the song dirty eyes are watching you uh because i'm so happy that i was able to do that <laughs> Um, so is everybody else. I know. Oh, <laughs> man. Get the timestamp on that one. Um, I think that... So, dirty eyes is a term that they use when the players in the secondary peek at the quarterback instead of keeping their eye on the receiver. Right. And... Uh, you mean like uh, Kurt Coleman on that touchdown where... Exactly. The quarterback, where McCown, was pointing, go deep to the receiver. And, and, he, and, then, and Coleman then Coleman was looking. Looked, yeah, exactly. And then the receiver went deep and it was a touchdown. Yep. that That is... That is a very egregious example of dirty eyes, but they happen all the time. There's a, uh, if you want to check on our beautiful website, therightreport.com, that's therightreport.com. There's a great article uh, about the dirty eyes phenomenon, and it has a gif in there from New Orleans in week three, where literally Mike Adams watches Drew Brees, and Drew Brees looks right, Mike Adams goes to the right, Drew Brees snaps back left, and it's Wasn't gone. that the Ted Ginn touchdown? It was the, exactly <sighs> the Ted Ginn touchdown. Thanks for that one. You're welcome. Uh, so I think that that is a correctable eye discipline, is a correctable uh, is a correctable thing that they can work on in practice, but they're just going to have to get better at that. It's not going to just go away. It's, it's not something that it's like, well, they made mistakes, and th- these are things that they're going to have to get better at. The secondary is still going to have problems going forward with the Daryl Worley Kevon Seymour spot. That's not a they are they're not number one cornerbacks and other teams are kind of figuring out, you know, now they have twelve weeks of film to watch and they have kind of a blueprint for how you beat the Carolina Panthers and it's not uh and it's not it's not try to run it right at Luke Keekley. You know? <laughs> it's not try to uh it's not let Kwan short do his thing it's throw deep especially that right quadrant of the field they are the panthers are having some real trouble sean uh on our website made a really good point that the panthers are giving up almost all of their deep throws to the right right and you would think that that because that's bradbury's side he isn't doesn't give those up but the stats don't show that so and then 
Guess what? Bradbury's side? I thought no, Bradbury not really. was they starting switch, to but mirror more of the following the number one receiver now. He does, but for the most part, he's on the on that side of the defense. Uh, I say for the most part, but it's not it's not 100%. It's kind of, it, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> but I, and then all of a sudden, two deep throws to Robbie Anderson, both go for touchdowns, and they were on the right side of the field. So that is, I think that the more people want, the more other teams watch film, the more that they're figuring out ways to attack. When Daryl Worley's in the game, you run a lot of curl routes, you run a lot of out routes because he doesn't change direction very well. I felt like that first touchdown, though, to Anderson, that deep pass. No, that was just, you got to tip your cap <laughs> that was, sometimes. That was, that was pretty good coverage, man. Oh, I mean, what I, a pass, what a catch to be able to, to control the ball in the end zone like that. Uh, Yeah, like three three defenders were like, I just don't understand why he threw the ball. Right. Like they, they were like, I mean, you kind of have to tip your cap. Like you really Adams do have to there. tip your cap. Adams was there and Bradbury was there. So if you're going to say, oh, they came over late, they definitely didn't. They were all four. There were six arms vying for the ball there, and Anderson just came down with it. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. These guys are NFL players, and that's sometimes, I think, the problem that we can get into when we break down all 22, when we look at these, uh, when we are kind of film monsters and we say, oh, the offensive line, look at how terrible they played on this play. The, the, the defense or in this case, Robbie Anderson, they're NFL players too. And they sometimes are going to make excellent plays that you just can't defend. And the same thing goes for when you're on the offensive line. You know, Matt Khalil and Daryl Williams, they take a lot of flack on Twitter and online. And and I think that they have performed pretty well this season. And when you look at them and say... Well, they they look at look at him get beaten by Cameron Wake right here, or Cameron Jordan. Those guys are all pro NFL defensive ends. That's why they get beat. Same thing with Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson's a very good wide receiver. Just because you don't know his name and you didn't draft him in the first round of your fo- of your fantasy football draft, he's good. He yeah. good. He scored forty two points for you if you were playing ESPN fantasy. So you probably wanted him in your lineup. <laughs> I only know that specifically because he was not in my lineup. So I was checking out the snap counts, and it looked like, uh, and I think the number was, uh, Worley had 68% of the snaps there. It felt like they had been closer to 50-50 before then. Uh, I thought that too, but it's not that. That is not which, the case. Which so part? Which part? I thought that they had been closer to 50-50. But, uh, so against Miami, um, Worley played about the same amount, about 70%. It was about 70-30. And then the week before, it was flipped, and Kevon played about seventy percent. So I think that they are. I think that Wilkes is literally running a rotation. Uh, I said today, um, Wilkes was quoted. I asked him specifically, you know, how do you feel about the secondary rotation? And he kind of listed off the traits of each guy. He said, you know, Worley's great with formations. He's a very smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he he is. Um, now I'm blanking on exactly what he said about Worley, but he definitely said Seymour is quick and better with change of direction and things like that. So they have they have a skill set, and I think that Wilkes and Rivera are they're trying to use them the best way possible. I think they're trying to combine those two guys to make a super defensive back instead of just saying, okay, Daryl Worley, you're now you play 100 percent of the snaps and. We'll bring in Kevon Seymour when you get hurt, which may have been on Sunday because he left the locker room in a walking boot. But it is what it is, man. It is what it is. If he's not in there, you're going to see a lot more Kevon Seymour. (laughs) 
Hey, so you know, it's, it's been known, Thomas Davis said it today on WFNZ, and they obviously want to make the Saints going into this weekend one-dimensional, which means they want to take away you know, the Ingram and, and Kamara. Um, Can we just talk about how crazy that is, that you want to make yeah. the Saints <laughs> one-dimensional by having Drew Brees beat you in the passing yeah, game? No, that, that's it. So, I mean, that kind of segues way into, into stakes, you know, what I want to say and, and, and sticking with the secondary, like, how should we feel about that? I mean, because just the overall thought, just on a high level, saying, "Oh, we want to play, we want to let Drew Brees throw," is crazy. But looking at the way the secondary has played most recently, and you know, specifically with the Jets, how do we feel about that? Because I mean, I, I agree that has to happen. These guys, the Saints, are definitely you know playing behind their run, and that leads up to their you know all their offense right now. And Drew Brees is a little bit older, and I don't think he has the arm strength that he once had, but he's still obviously a you know excellent quarterback, but. How do we feel about our secondary? You know, I, I think you know not to say a million times it is what it is, but the secondary is not getting. They're not bringing anybody off the street to make an impact on the secondary. The secondary is going to be what it is. So, uh, you know, they have to eliminate some of the problems that they've been having. The the eye discipline. The um, but Daryl Worley is not all of a sudden going to become faster at change of direction. I think that you can you can scheme some of that stuff out, but I do think that you know there there are going to be some issues in the secondary. I think that the easiest way to do that is to get home on blitzes or to get pressure on the quarterback. That's the easiest thing to take sure. pressure off of your secondary is to hit the quarterback. If you hit Drew Brees, he's a lot less less likely to be able to go deep. Sure. feel comfortable. I mean, that's that's kind of the most cookie-cutter analysis there is, but right. it is true. When your strength is in your front seven, you have to use that front seven to make up for maybe an area where you're lacking. And, and just to be clear, I'm not saying that the Panthers' secondary is bad by any means because they're not. It's a good secondary. They're just not as good as the front seven. The front seven is maybe the best front seven in the league. They yep. certainly have the best linebacker in the league. Right. They, you look at their defensive line, their top seven defensive linemen are just like, it's it's insane. Yeah, it was great to see Horton get some plays, and, Horton, and Butler had a great Big game. Big Vern had a great game. His yeah. best game of the year, he had his most playing time. The guy is, is starting to, if you ask me, and this is total conjecture, but I think that uh, being inactive really lit a fire under him. Yeah, okay. I think uh, you know since he was a healthy scratch, a healthy scratch for a first round pick is insane. Especially when you he's a healthy scratch and Kyle Love is not, and Kyle Love has also played terrific. So that's the thing is that you look there is no there are no plays off for the defensive line. Their top, literally their top eight guys are nightmares for offensive linemen. Right. So. That is when that's your strength. You have to use that strength. You, yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, it was nice to see Greg Olson back on the field um, temporarily. You know, so obviously there's some concern. I, I saw some reports that he had re-injured his foot. I think you have told me that that was not actually the case. So, um, you know, can you give us a little update on what's going on with with Greg and so what actually happened? Here's the thing: uh, you can't. It's hard it's hard to say. All we can do as reporters in the media is we can report on what we see, what we hear, what the team tells us. We can't just assume when you send when you look on Twitter and you say, "Hey, 
Panthers Bill or Hey Riot Report, what happened to Greg? There's I, there's no way for me to get that answer from the press box. All I can tell you is that he will not return with a foot injury because that's what the Panthers tell us. I can't. We can't go down on the sidelines and ask them. But I feel like you're using my text to you during the game is what the real yeah what, I am what you're really answering. I'm trying to air this dirty laundry. <laughs> I, there's, I'm sorry to tell you, just because I'm in the press box, I don't have a. I can't pick up my phone and text Greg and say, "Hey, Greg, what's going up, bro? I thought that you were going to play the whole game." Zach said, you "Need to get better at your job." I think Zach <laughs> said that he put money on you at over fifty-eight and a half yards. And now you're not going to be able my to do that. Team, oh, I'm doing some sort of weird Seinfeld impression now. Um, no, but it's so. Here's what we know, right? He played the first half. He had, he had just missed two months of football, two months of practice, the surgically repaired foot. He came back. He'd been pra- full practice for three days, full-ish practice for three days. Activated. They put him in the game. If you ask me, you want my personal opinion? Sure. I think that he – I think his foot is fine. I think that he just hadn't played football for two months, and this was the first time that he had played in a real game with a surgically repaired foot, and it didn't hold up the way that he wanted it to. I think that he – is coming back slowly, just like we talked about with Cam in week one. When you have a surgically repaired shoulder, it takes time to get better. When you have a surgically repaired foot, it takes time to get better. And he obviously, he was the last one out of the locker room. I think they were trying to get him to the point where he could play again. And it was just, it didn't hold up. And that doesn't mean that he snapped it again. And it doesn't mean that he's going to miss next week. But I don't think that we're going to get the full Greg Olson experience this week in New Orleans. But I do think that when you look at what he did while he was on the field, he was open, right? I mean, yeah. Cam missed him a couple times, yeah. including a, a seven route in the end zone where he was, I mean, sure. that was vintage Greg Olson. Cam puts that one on the nose. And then you're looking at, well, Olson had two catches, but he caught one in the red zone. So it's it's a whole different storyline. Maybe if if some of those catches some of those targets go for actual catches. So we shouldn't listen to the fans' takes where they're saying uh, we need to sit Greg for the rest of the season. Um, we need to... Uh... For, what, for what? What are we saving him for? <laughs> are we saving him for next year? Are we going to save him for... Uh... No, let's, no let's, not, let's not sit him. Just the same thing with, with Cam, right? You don't, see, don't sit any of these guys. Like, these guys need to play to get better. And... Uh, that's uh, I'm about to contradict myself completely, except for Ryan Khalil, who I think that they should they should maybe just keep on the shelf until he's 100. percent But Greg Olson, he needs to work himself back into football shape. I don't think that we are worried about his phone about his phone, his foot being re-injured. I personally am not. I, it's a broken bone. It's not a torn hamstring. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the bone has healed the way that the bone has healed. A Jones fracture is a weird break, but I, I think he's going to need off-season surgery. But I don't think that you need to sit him right now to get him to that off-season so surgery. So you're thinking he's in the game against the Saints, maybe similarly as effective as he was, maybe a little bit more. But uh, you know, again, just kind of working it back in slowly, getting yeah. some getting some real action on that foot, and uh, you know, seeing how it feels again. If you ask me, and and this is not is what it is this is it is what it might be i think that they're going to use him a little bit more sporadically than they did 
against the Jets. I think that they thought that he was going to be 100% back, and so they were using him in 100% of the packages they wanted to use him in. And I think that maybe what they're going to see is that he's not 100% back, so instead of putting him out there for a first and 10 so he can run block, maybe let Chris Manhurts get that snap, and maybe Olsen is more important to have in in a third and eight type situation. Right. You don't think that telegraphs the offense a little bit? No, because then it, then you do whatever you do, you know? I mean, they run uh, QB sweeps on third and eight, too. So it's, I mean, it is what it is. When w- My problem was the, uh, the quarterback run that happened inside the red zone when Greg Olson got absolutely eaten up. He got shoved backwards into Cam Newton. And I was like, that at that point, it was like, okay, he is not 100%. And so he needs to, he needs to either hit the bench or he can't be the lead blocker in that type of situation. He can't be the guy that is the key to the whole play. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that he's going to come back slowly, but I don't think that he rebroke his foot. So talking about Cam, um, I was on the plane ride home from New York early uh, Monday morning. Very and I, early. Yeah, and I saw some uh, some things on Twitter. I guess the Panther fans were, you know, the, the, the usual Cam hot takes were just being fired off that morning. Um, Mostly about <laughs> his hat, right? <laughs> no, that actually took a back seat for once because, uh, you know, Cam Cam wasn't great on Sunday. No. Cam, Cam was pretty in one of his most inaccurate games, actually. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's a, a lot of concern with Cam, um, whether it was his thumb, you know, a lot of people are saying his timing when the reads were just off. I mean, what did you see? Uh, I think that it was his thumb. I think that he has a, I think he has some soreness in his thumb and whatever that came from, whether that came from a hit that he took against Miami, whether that came from a very long Instagram post they put up, I don't know. <laughs> it's. But I do think that that the thumb was affecting him. And just the way that he was talking about it, the way that Ron was talking about it, the way that Shula was talking about it, the way that he was talking about it, they all kind of, they didn't brush it off, but they all kind of brushed it off. Like, they brushed it off to say, yeah, that's kind of what it is, but there's not, it is what it is. Right. We're not putting in Derek Anderson because Cam's thumb is at 70%, but his thumb is at 70%. So that's, that's affecting his ability to throw it's affecting his accuracy it's like a golf swing right if you are if you are swinging a golf club and your thumb hurts even if it's 10 percent different you're still going to swing that golf club differently to try and take some of that pain out of your thumb it's the same thing for a football quarterback yeah so i i think that he did he missed some throws and i i think that that is one of those things where if he if he hurt his thumb it is what it is, you know? Well, I think it's no no secret that the uh, Saints' defense, their their strength is their run defense. So, And if you didn't, actually, if you look at some of the, the things that the Rams did and had success with, you know, it was throwing the ball um, and some opportunities that, that potentially may have been a run. Um, so, you know, if the Panthers hopefully were watching that game to have a little bit you know, more of a game plan on what was successful against their defense, you know, Cam's going to have to throw the ball a little bit this week. Well, I think that if uh, Marshawn Lattimore is not in the game for the Saints, that's a huge advantage for the yeah. Panthers. Uh, that guy, and I will be the first to tell you that right after the draft, I did not think that Marshawn Lattimore is going to be as good as he is. I thought he was going to be fine. I mean, the guy's, you know, legitimately a top eight cornerback. Like, that is not something you expect to see as a freaking rookie. Yeah. Uh, so he is a game changer on the defensive side of the ball. So 
if he's not in there, that that will make a huge difference for Funches, for Cam Newton. I think that they have uh, they have some plans for Demir Bird when he comes back too. I, I think that he is going to be a big part of this offense. Really, in what way? Um, I think that they were using Cam, they used Kalen Clay in almost seventy percent of the snaps um, on offense, and I don't think they want to do that. I think they want those to be Bird's snaps. I think they want Bird to be basically the 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 wide receiver, that wide receiver two guy that you would put in in Madden, basically. That would be the the B receiver, if you will. So you've got your main receiver with the yellow line. That's your that's your first read. And then the second read is going to be somebody with a different skill set. And I think that is going to be Demir Bird. I think that we there was a moment where it was like, oh, maybe it's Russell Shepard. But it's not. That's not what they want. They want Russell Shepard to stay in that third wide receiver slot. Excuse me. And uh, and I think that they're going to use Demir Bird a lot. Every time that you bring his name up to Ron Rivera, or even you bring up Kalen Clay's name in an offensive uh, capacity, he changes the topic to Demir Bird. So I think that they, they really like Demir, Demir Bird. In the first three weeks of the season, the guy was out there in one wide receiver sets. Hmm. Not Kelvin Benjamin, not Devin Funches. Demir Bird was the one wide receiver on the field. Wow, okay. So... And he's active, right? They're activating him. Uh, they're they going. Not, they're, they, they have they not, but they are for. Him. But for all intents and purposes, it's going to happen. It's the same thing as as Greg, except it's not in his foot; it's in his arm. He had a broken forearm, so he could still work out, and it was just took time to heal, and now it's healed. So it is what it is. It is what it is. He should be back, and they can activate him anytime between now and Saturday at four p.m. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think we may be saying goodbye to somebody, John Theus, maybe Andrew mm. Gatchkar. Does Khalil stay active? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know. I so Why he was, was he active this past week. So he's active insurance, as a, yes. safety. Yeah, he's active as like an emergency alternate in case uh, something went wrong with Tyler Larson and his foot. But uh, I think that Tyler Larson has played his way into being the starter if Ryan Khalil is not 100%. Right. And I think that if you are asking me whether they put in Ryan Khalil at 80% or they go with Tyler Larson, I think they're going to go with Tyler Larson. And I think it's going to be that way for the rest of the season. So if Ryan Khalil comes back and he practices in full Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he's 100%, he says he got a new pillow and he's... Uh, you know his neck feels like a dream he's like a human giraffe then maybe you see ryan khalil out there but i don't think that i i I just you know the offensive line is so much about consistency and that that camaraderie between the guys that tyler larson has been their center for eight out of ten games nine out of 11 games right and they know 10 out of 11 games excuse me 10 out of 11 games tyler larson has been their center. Right. And they've gotten better. And they have gotten better. The tackles have gotten better. Yeah, the tackles. I mean, the offensive line, when you look at them as a unit, they have played pretty well the past month of football. I mean, you can't knock that cohesion. If you look at the Panthers in 15 and the Falcons in 16, I mean, that was some of the keys to the success that they had was that offensive line unit staying together. So it almost feels like at this point – you know, like you said, and unless Khalil comes back and he's 
even then. I, I think they might keep him active as a backup center. That's the first time that I've said that into a microphone, but I think that that makes the most sense. I mean, if Tyler Larson is playing the way that he's playing and Ryan Khalil is at 80, 90%, that, that makes sense. So the last thing I want to ask you, is the fan favorite Alex Arma going to be active this weekend? Armageddon! And, and what, what was his role in the, uh, the Panthers' previous 200-plus rushing yard games? Less important than Ar- Alex Arma is what do you think about the movie Armageddon starring Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck? Never seen it. Okay. We're going to have to shut this podcast down. <laughs> it is we will it is, rejoin uh, the podcast in about two hours and 15 minutes, and you <laughs> don't want to miss a thing. That's a great Armageddon reference, and I'm really proud of myself for doing it. Um, it's like a B plus. It's a pretty good movie. Not good, not great. Steve Buscemi's fantastic in it. I'll Redbox on the way home. You should. Is oh, that if a it's, thing? Is Redbox still, still a thing? Redbox is still a thing, but if your Redbox has Armageddon, <laughs> you're, it's some sort of weird Redbox that you are living in. Uh, I feel like that may be a Netflix option or maybe like a Crackle. You know, that's it's uh, something that you can stream for free at this point. Um, I don't know that Alex Arma has made that much of an impact in the running game, and I know that is blasphemy, but the guy the guy is on the field for, you know, 17 snaps uh, against um, either Atlanta or Tampa and when Chris Manhurts got the concussion. Was that Atlanta or Tampa? I don't remember, but whatever game that was when Manhurts got concussed in the first quarter, that was when Arma had his kind of breakout where he was in the on the field a lot more, and then he was on the field a lot in Miami or against Miami in a game where they were up by 20 to 24 points for most of that game. So Alex Arma, I think, is a very talented and interesting prospect but I don't think that he is the key to the Panthers running games I think that it is a little bit more causation and not correlation that he was in the game and the Panthers rushed for 200 yards I think that he was in the game because the Panthers rushed for 200 yards does that make sense yeah I I get it yeah, like they they were ahead, so that so Alex Arma got a lot of play. It's like saying that Cameron Artis Payne is the key to the Panthers blowing out teams by twenty five. He's in the game because they're blowing out teams by twenty five. Right. So I think that Alex Arma is a interesting prospect, and for him to have made the switch from defensive end to fullback is uh, unbelievable. And he's a very smart guy, hard worker, and uh, and and just he deserves everything that he gets. But I don't think that if you see Alex Harma inactive against the saints, that you can pretty much chalk up that they're not going to be able to run the ball. Sure. They were uh, Chris McCaffrey had a 40 yard run and Alex Harma was not on the field. Chris Van Hertz was on the field, you know, I get it. So I think that don't blow me off of the, all right, I get it. You asked me the question. <laughs> no, I get I'm it. trying to answer it. I got it. All right, good. <laughs> fine. Sorry. I didn't blow you off when you hadn't seen Armageddon. It's crazy. What about deep impact? Have you seen that? No, never, uh, see, never I, see that. I would have understood if you were like a deep impact guy instead of an Armageddon. Cause they came out at the same time. They're both asteroid, uh, floating down, not floating, hurtling towards earth like at I'm, the same time. I'm kind of just man Aerosmith too. Is that bad? Yeah. <sighs> 
you know, I just don't understand you sometimes. You're man, Aerosmith. Yeah. Are you familiar with the song Dream On? Yes. That's a great song. Yeah, that was one of the old ones. That's a classic. What do you mean one of the old ones? Yeah, all right. I mean, they're all kind of old ones. I'm not talking about Aerosmith's new tracks or the hot or the new hotness, but like <laughs> you want to talk about like crying and uh the other one? Cry- dude looks like a lady? No, dude look like a lady is Walk jam. This way? Yeah. You're you're yeah, making okay. my point. Yeah. Okay. Walk this way when you add run DMC, now you got a track. Okay, so but they but Aerosmith was in it with Run DMC. Like they, they get half credit for that. They get all the credit for that. No, I, I think that you are incorrect in your uh, in your meh on Aerosmith. Aerosmith it's, it's, is one of the best bands of the last twenty five years. It's kind of ironic that we got a little off topic and a lot off topic. I guess would be no. a better way to say it because today, being Tuesday, I've found myself floating off thinking about New Orleans this weekend already, and I, don't, yes. I haven't been this way in a long time. This game. Feels like a playoff game. I mean, it, I can't remember the last time we've had a game this important in a regular season. Can you off the top of your head? In the regular season, right? No, no. I mean, like uh, I guess when we were maybe like when the Panthers it, were just trying to stay undefeated. It felt like every game well, was important but, for that. Yeah, but or, no. or I was going to say like thirteen or fourteen when they were like six, eight, and one, and they had to win to make. Yeah, like, but, like, but if they would have lost, it would have been like, yeah, yeah, we all right, they didn't it deserve anyway, it. Right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. So I've just found myself. You know, super excited for this weekend. We've been, we've been people have been reaching out to me for well over a month asking, you know, what the plans are, and uh, you know, we think we're just going to have another awesome representation. Um, I mean, we've got a the Nola Riot crew down there; they're pumped. They've set up an awesome party Saturday night. We were at the same place last year um, at the House of Blues. Originally, we were going to be in, in in Mama's Lounge, which Ooh. yeah, that sounds like a good Mama's. place. They've moved us over to the Voodoo Garden to be able to accommodate more people. Oh, I like that. Last year, they hooked us up with a band out there. They have a good food food menu. I mean, it's our own place to to party and and you know throw a nice little Panthers party. And then, what's pretty cool, at least for me, because. Um, you know, I have some family from Louisiana, so um, you know, I'm in New Orleans all the time, and I consider it my second home. What the local group does is they plan a bar crawl that's still in the French Quarter, but it's not on Bourbon Street because Bourbon Street, I mean, that's everybody's go-to. That's obviously the big touristy place. You know, for me, when the sun goes down, I like to stay off of Bourbon Street because it's, it's what the kids call lame. Yeah, I would call it the Aerosmith I mean, you still, of New Orleans. You still have to go see Bourbon Street if you haven't been, right? I mean, you have to go experience it. But for the Nola Riot to plan, you know, three or four locations in that area that are more local hangouts that are that are more, um, you know, New Orleansy type places that aren't just people drunk and throwing up all over the place, which happens on Bourbon Street. No. It's really fun to do. And then um, we'll be tailgating starting at noon on Sunday at Handsome Willie's. And I'm really, actually, I'm, I'm really excited about the Flex game because... That's awesome. What happens there, and, you know, it happens in Chicago, any place where you're playing in the central time zone, Nashville's another example, you know, the game starts at noon, right? Now, those other places are a little bit more manageable to get to the tailgate, but in New Orleans, when you have a, a noon start time, that means you need to leave the tailgate. You know, people start leaving early, eleven o'clock. I mean, um, you know, some leave at ten thirty, and that means you have to pe- start peeling yourself out of the French Quarter to get up to start tailgating at nine in New Orleans is almost impossible. No, so we we have a, a good bar. This will be our fourth year there, and you know, we've always had a couple hundred people there, but it's always been a small sample size to what you know what the true numbers of Panther fans in and in, in New Orleans are. But having the 3.30 start time, central time, 
Uh, you know, we're going to start the tailgate at 12 o'clock and there's zero, there are no excuses for not being there on time. Um, and I'm just expecting with the, with the volume of fans that are going to be there and with the late <laughs> hour, Ooh, there you go again. Uh, you know, I'm expecting an awesome turnout, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it. What if you, uh, are starting to get sick on Tuesday and yeah. then you're ramping up to Sunday? How do you feel about that? When people show up, uh, basically like in their deathbed, uh, unable to stop sneezing on Sunday morning. Listen, I, if I survived October being sick for a month straight, just got to power through. Rocktober it, is what they call it. Power through it, but uh, no, it's going to be awesome in New Orleans. I can't wait. I uh, splurged a little bit. I got myself a what? front row seat. Oh my! Yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. What are you going to be wearing uh, <laughs> while you're there? Any sort of lucky attire that you have? Oh man, now it's it's almost become a thing, an obnoxious thing. But yeah, the jorts are seven and zero. Oh. Um, seven and zero. Oh. Yeah, I actually went back through and looked at the schedule again today to make sure I was accurate. And the only <laughs> you the just only wish win that they weren't. <laughs> yeah, so you don't have to wear them. Again. Trust me, wearing if I, wearing them in New York was terrible. It was freezing out there. But yeah, the only game that the Panthers have won that I was not wearing them was New England. Wow, which yeah. is uh, a pretty good game too. But uh, yeah, so you'll be wearing jorts, and so you can expect to expect to see. Uh, Roaring Riot branded jorts uh, in the store come January. Yeah, and uh, actually, that would be a great idea. Like if they if the jorts go twelve and zero heading into the playoffs, win. Yeah, that's a great quote. Win. I, I take it back. Uh, we'll just go ahead and rewind the tape, cut all this out, yeah. editors, cut it out. Uh, yeah, I think that when the jorts go twelve and zero, thirteen and zero, you're gonna be branding out some Roaring Riot jorts to take to the yeah. Super Bowl. And we'll raffle the ones that I have not washed but worn for this period of time to uh, for charity. I feel for like the Cam Newton Foundation. People would probably pay to not <laughs> be involved with that. Uh, I, I just it's going to be a fantastic game. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to really dive into the tape and, and make sure that we know exactly what to expect. And you can be sure to read on the RiotReport.com uh, all of our previews and. Make sure that you know what you're talking about when you get to Handsome Harry's, Handsome Willie's? Handsome Willie's on handsome Sunday. Handsome Willie's on Sunday morning. Don't go in there and be like, I think that uh, Cam Newton needs to throw more touchdowns. You need to be, you need to have some smart information, and you're doing the right thing by listening to this, th- this podcast all the way to the 43rd minute. Hey ho! Hey ho! That's gonna be it for the old Fozzie special. <laughs> and the Colin Jones right now going in the Fozzie. Uh, we love you guys. It is what it is. We will see you in New Orleans. Hey ho!